This week, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL alleging racial discrimination in the hiring process. Hiring process. Um, it's a very interesting lawsuit. I, re- I encourage everyone to read it if you're a sports fan or otherwise. And with it to discuss this case is the foremost sports law expert in the country, Daniel Lust of the Manhattan firm of Garagos and Garagos. Dan worked for the New York Giants before going to law school. He practices rights uh, and speaks on the issue of sports law and is the host of the number one sports law podcast, Conduct Detrimental. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Karen, uh, pleasure to join you. Thank you for that lovely intro. And, you know, I don't know, it's, a, I guess, a good time to be in the space because of all these sports law issues. But then again, you know, um, this one is a very kind of messy one that, that uh, hits on all parties, hits on all 32 NFL teams, including right. my former employee, the New York Giants. So, yeah, load, loaded issue. So, um, again, I, I'm going to encourage everyone to read it. And, and Daniel, you and I have read lawsuits over and over again as lawyers. Uh, and a lot of them are just kind of fact-based and, and a lot of legalese. But this one really, I mean, it starts out with quotations from Martin Luther King. It, it tracks the history of discrimination in football. And it really kind of reads like, I don't know, a little novel. Um, when you first read this lawsuit, first of all, were you surprised that it was brought in the first place? Did you, or did you see this coming? Um, I don't think anyone could have seen it coming. Um, and I think be, maybe beyond that, the timing of the lawsuit's a little odd. The coach Brian Flores is in the middle of an interview process with the Houston Texans and New Orleans Saints. And I think maybe, right, if Brian Flores doesn't get any job during this whole coaching, you know, the coaching cycle, maybe you could maybe see something like that. Like, why? how does it make sense if Brian Flores has no head coaching position? Um, but to file in the middle of interviews, he, he filed a lawsuit the same day he interviewed with the New Orleans Saints. Um, I don't think anyone expected that. And I think maybe even further count, I don't know if most attorneys would have recommended that. Uh, right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that was necessarily foreseeable. And I suppose it could go both ways, meaning if you file this lawsuit in the middle of your job search alleging that no one's hiring you because you're African-American, maybe these, uh, these teams are going to look and say, well, maybe we should hire them. On the other hand, this is very controversial, and it involves uh, allegation, allegations, as you said, against all 32 teams. So um, it, it was kind of a risky thing to do from a professional standpoint, at least, right? Right. I mean, this is, this is an allegation of widespread uh, you know, racial discriminatory practice in terms of the hiring and firing of general managers, uh, head coaches, and high-level coaches. So you know, it, it's one thing um, to allege in one particular instance. Right here, it's the New York Giants allegedly – um, had extended an offer to the head coach or the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills to be the head coach of the Giants before interviewing Brian Flores. That's the allegation. And they, you know, apparently we're going to go through the motions of interviewing Flores, according to him. And that would be in compliance with something called the NFL's Rooney Rule that essentially says you have to, um, as an NFL team, interview minority head coaching candidate. So the allegation is, hey, the Giants already picked their guy, a, a white head coach, you know, white coach with the Bills, and they had to interview Flores because they needed to check off the box of the Rooney Rule. Now, I, I'm not sure I subscribe to that theory, um, but it's, it's certainly floated out there. The question is, you know, if, if you don't have a strong case, which you, you might or might not, um, you might still want another job, right? You still might want to be the head coach of the Houston Texans or the New Orleans Saints, both two, you know, major media markets. And by filing the lawsuit in the middle of the process, um, he went from being the front runner to, to some of these jobs to now, right, he might never coach again in football. So I at least envision a scenario where he could have had his cake and eaten it too. Got a job, right, as one of the head coaches of one of these teams, 
and then filed the lawsuit. No, no one, I think, can explain from a legal strategic standpoint why one needed to file while still interviewing. That that might have seemed like an unnecessary risk from from a certain. Yeah, that's that. That is that is interesting. And as we know, I mean, as I've seen in my career for thirty six years, when you file a lawsuit against an employer, whether it's because you feel that you were discriminated against because you are a woman or whatever it is, you know, and people know about that, it's not like all people are going to rally around you and applaud. Uh, there are going to be people who peg you as a troublemaker, peg you as somebody who can't get along, uh, and someone who doesn't play nice, and that could impact your, imp- you know, your career for forever in a small venue and and this is a small venue because there are a limited number of teams i suppose you could look at it that way um right right yeah and look no further than colin kaepernick the quarterback who filed that lawsuit um against the nfl for collusion a couple of years ago he filed a lawsuit against and the nfl major league baseball you don't usually live to tell about it um and that's just the, the unfortunate history in professional sports i got one question before we uh take a quick break um these, the numbers are pretty compelling. Seventy percent of all players uh, in the NFL are African American. There are no owners who are African American, and only one head coach who is African American. Is there any reason, Dan? I mean, you're a sports law guy. You probably follow sports. You know who the players are. Literally, the players are, and you worked for a major league team. How is there any other explanation but discrimination for this lack of diversity in the upper management and coaching? You know, that's the question, right? I mean, the statistical arguments there, numbers aren't going to lie. You put this Rooney rule in place at the NFL in 2003, 20 years have gone by, and if anything, you've gone backward. So you can make the argument that, hey, this is just some coincidence or, you know, it's some type of business perspective. But I, I have a hard time seeing, uh, you know, a court saying that Brian Flores doesn't have a colorable argument to get into court and to test that theory. The NBA doesn't have that problem. Major League Baseball doesn't have that problem. It seems to be an NFL-specific problem. Um, and one that which uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the league, has acknowledged uh, really within the past 24 hours that the NFL has a problem and they need to look in the mirror and fix it. So yeah, I don't I, I can't explain it. Right. Um, it would be a strong series of coincidences. We'll, we'll put it that way. We're talking to Daniel Lust of the Manhattan firm of Garagos and Garagos. He has a number one uh, sports law podcast, Conduct Detrimental, where he discusses issues like this. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this lawsuit and what it means in the bigger picture. If you have any questions for us here, we're always uh, willing to take them. 312-981-7200. This is WGN, and you're listening to The Karen Conti Show. Talking to sports law expert Daniel Lust of the law firm of Garagos and Garagos in New York. Now, as you said, uh, Daniel, numbers don't lie. And, um, you know, the numbers are really pathetic uh, as far as the number of minorities that are in management owners and, and higher level coaching. Um, but Flores also contends that even though he had a couple of really good uh, seasons with the Dolphins, he was fired anyway. Now, we see that in sports all the time, right? <clears throat> we see a team win and then we have our coach or our manager is gone and it's like we're saying, what? Why would you do that? How do you explain? Do you think that that adds to this loss or do you think that's more something that's explainable by maybe uh, personality disputes or the like? So I, I think it's important just from a high level that lawsuit is filed against the NFL, which consists of all 32 teams, but specifically named are the New York Giants. who we've, we've referenced the Miami Dolphins and the Denver Broncos. Um, I, I, for one, I think we've, we've talked a little bit about the, the Giants. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily buy the claim against the Giants. I think there might be some teeth to the Dolphins claim. Brian Flores, um, had two pretty successful seasons in a row for the Dolphins. He had one year 
which, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into the allegation as to his first year with the, these tanking allegations. But his last two years, he kind of exceeded expectations. The team was, um, you know, had a winning record overall, was one game out of the playoffs. Um, you don't normally see head coaches fired under those circumstances when you exceed expectations. You know, not everyone's going to win the Super Bowl every year, right? Um, so, you know, some people could just have a good season, right? And they're on the right track. Um Brian Flores' firing in sports circles took the world by surprise, not because he was you know, African-American, but because he was a highly successful coach and, and trained under Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time for 10 years, went to the Miami Dolphins and, and had a lot of success. So that certainly raised a lot of eyebrows. Um, and I don't think we've quite heard what the Dolphins' reasoning is, right? Um, I'm sure there's some available non-discriminatory purpose that they could offer up, um, but it's an odd firing. It's, it's one that doesn't normally occur, right? The one we explained with the Giants, um, certainly people are going to be put up for interviews, 10, 12 people, and only one person is going to get it. But if the head coach is in your building and has been very successful, um, it, it's at least in our circles, it, that one is a little puzzling. Everyone was surprised, even before the lawsuit came, um, that the firing occurred. And then, you know, the next step, we thought Flores was going to be the hottest name on the coaching market after that, which he might have been. He just didn't get the, the first job he really wanted. That's kind of why everyone, at least, in, again, in our sports circles, thought the fact that he filed the lawsuit before Securing a job was odd because he was certainly in line to get it. But yes, Dolphins, the Dolphins you know, firing, I, I think, is certainly suspect. Um, I, I think that's where my alarm bells are going off. You know, I heard you talk about this issue on uh, maybe it was your podcast, but uh, the the lawsuit can only resolve issues as to who is in the lawsuit. Right. So it's a class action. So other plaintiffs could conceivably join. I guess my first question is, do you envision other plaintiffs who are similarly situated, maybe African-Americans who who didn't get the coaching job or was fired from a coaching job or didn't get the lower coaching jobs? Do you see them joining in this lawsuit or do you think it's going to have the idea of uh, a concern for having backlash? Yeah, I am. I am certainly mindful of your 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 concern, right? That um, you know, this could have a chilling effect, right? If you end up uh, joining this lawsuit, you might not coach again in the NFL. But right. I think the NFL is acknowledging that there is a problem, right? And if that was the ultimate outcome of this lawsuit, I mean, that's that's the worst case scenario for all involved. Um, there have been uh, former coaches, um, you know, even past and present, that have spoke up um, about this lawsuit and, and basically said, you know, what Brian Flores is doing. You know, uh, coaches that are white black, you know, all different types of coaches in the NFL, the offensive side, defensive side, have said what Brian Flores is doing is certainly very brave. So there seems to be, um, you know, uh, unity across the board for Flores. Um, I think there will be other coaches that join. A number of coaches, um, Hugh Jackson with the Cleveland Browns, uh, formerly of the Cleveland Browns, Marvin Lewis of the Cincinnati Bengals, just, just to name a few that have spoke up. The question is, from a legal perspective, whether this will be certified as a class action. I'm not sure of that. Um, you know, I've, I'm hearing different people say it's possible, it might not be. But either way, I, I would be surprised if there is. this is the only lawsuit that is filed. If, if the class is not certified, I would, I would expect someone else to file suit. There are a number of coaches that are no longer in football because of this alleged racial uh, bias. So, and that's, yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't get certified for whatever reason. Daniel, right. that's a really I, I good point. Because class actions, are they have to be certified by the court. And it's without getting into the technicalities of the class action, but all of the plaintiffs have to be sort of similarly situated and have had the same thing happen to them. And that's, these are the cases you see where maybe uh, someone has in, ingested something and it's caused illness. But it's the same kind of wrongdoing. It's the same kind of uh, effect. But it seems to me that jobs in coaching and those 
those types of things are all very fact specific and very different. And so they may have trouble. You're right. uh, Serving as a class action. But this brings me to my next question, which is this lawsuit can only resolve what what the facts are before them. This obviously has shined, shown the light on some really bad things going on in in sports. And even if it gets resolved favorably to the NFL for one reason or another, I think the the damage is still there. Am am I right? A hundred percent. And maybe the biggest allegation that you and I haven't spoke about, this allegation that owner of the team, Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins, offered Brian Flores $100,000 per game to lose games on purpose. Um, I think you and I can probably agree, even you know, sports fans, I, if, even if you showed me a check from the owner of the team to Brian Flores and said $100,000, it doesn't prove racial discrimination. It's just a pretty ugly claim, um, but one that gets the NFL in a lot of trouble. So I think you're right. From the allegations of bribing someone, a coach, to lose games, plus the racial discrimination optics, right? there certainly is a problem with racial discrimination. Whether or not Brian Flores is a winning case, a different story. But between this alleged bribe and just the, the bright spotlight of the lack of diversity in the NFL, you have two really um, two really big issues that the NFL is staring at. You know, and now we're a week away from the Super Bowl, so I'm, I'm sure the NFL would love if we were talking about anything else other than this lawsuit, but you know, two, two big bombshells that they can't really avoid here. Right. And, you know, when I read that part about paying the allegation that that uh, Flores was offered $100,000 to throw the game to get a better draft pick, uh, I thought to myself, what does it have to do with discrimination? I, I, and I think, you know, sometimes as lawyers, we, we mudsling. You know, we, as long as I'm putting all the bad things here about what the teams have done to me, this kind of topped the whole thing. And um, actually, Mike is on the line. And uh, Jack, can you put Mike on the line? I think he has a question about this this very issue. Hi, Mike. Welcome to WGN. We're here with Karen Conte, and you're talking, you're talking with Daniel Lust uh, of Garagos and Garagos. We have a question Hi, about Karen, this. Thanks, Hi. Sure. Thanks for taking my call. And, uh, yeah, I just... I don't understand this happened in his first year. Why wouldn't he just walk away from the job if he's not happy with taking a bribe or he felt that it was wrong, which it is, if it's if it's found, you know, that he did bribe Brian Flores, you know, why didn't he walk away, you know, and now all of a sudden after getting job interviews, which normally head coaches don't do after they've been fired. Well, okay, Mike, let's put Mike on hold. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'll let you answer that, uh, Daniel, but it seems to me that we should care about, we, yeah, we should care about this stuff, right? Yeah, the, the point that I, I like that Mike is raising um, is one that I've, I've heard a lot of people say. The allegation of the bribe is made in 2019. That's three years ago. So the question people are asking, which is one that we would ask at any type of deposition, what took you three years to bring that to the public's attention? Right? You, you know, assuming there's no text messages or emails where this offer was relayed, you'd hope for Flores' sake, if you're you know, on Flores' side or his attorney, that he has maybe some witness that heard it contemporaneously or it was relayed. Um, but I'd still be a little suspicious of the claim being made three years later. Now, the responses uh, that Flores would probably give, hey, I was under contract with the Dolphins. If I had brought that to light, if I was the whistleblower on my own team, I'm probably out of a job, right? Or I'm probably never coaching again anyway. So I think the response I'm hearing from the, the Brian Flores, you know, the, the people and the supporters on, on the Flores camp is that, uh, listen, he's got nothing to lose at this point, right? He might never coach again in the NFL. He might as well let it all fly, right? As you said, Karen, that mudslinging, right? Just let it all out at this point. Throw the kitchen sink at the NFL. Now, from a legal standpoint, 
Is this, you know, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm not a sports law person like you are. Is this illegal? Is this, uh, is this, does this violate some sort of uh, internal NFL policy? Do you anticipate there's going to be an investigation of these allegations? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a massive, massive allegation. Something like this doesn't happen. The names that come to mind, even for non-sports fans, right? Pete Rose, um, right. you know, allegedly right. bet, bet on baseball either for or against the team. I think it's unclear. Um, the Chicago Black Sox scandal, which you guys know you know, very sure. well and stayed in the history books 100 years ago. Um, this allegation, as far as I'm aware, has never been made with respect to an owner of a professional sports team. Um, there are rules in the NFL Constitution and in every major sports, the policy to remove an owner. Uh, you could go back years and years and years. Owners, even Donald Sterling, who had this really messy case with the Los Angeles Clippers years ago, it's never happened in sports where an owner has been forced to sell their team. Usually something happens. Either you know someone pays them a lot of money, they go away, or you know something else steps in. The league has never done it. I don't know what better circumstance to do this. If these claims are established, um, you're questioning the integrity of the game. There might even be a, a federal crime that's involved here, a bribery crime. Um so yeah, I don't. I don't. If this is established, I mean, I don't know what else would would qualify uh, to take a you know to divest someone of their team. So yeah, I certainly think it's an issue. Um, and the NFL has announced that they're launching a full uh, investigation into this claim. So yeah, this is this is a big deal. It's unprecedented. The racial discrimination, right? We're going to fight that in court, um, but you got to fight in the court of public opinion when it comes to the integrity of the game. And I, I should mention, Karen, that year, which Michael brings up, was the first year of Michael Brian Flores in the Miami. Um, the fans were clamoring. There's this, this movement called Tank for Tua. Tua was the, uh, you know, this quarterback for Alabama, maybe the best quarterback in the country. The fans wanted them to lose games. And it's not, doesn't seem like a coincidence that that's the year where the owner wanted the coach to lose so bad that he would allegedly offer a bribe. So it's not just the normal situation. There is some. You know, background to it ties it together, well, and also, you know, you're you're taking if he if that really did happen and took a bribe. I mean, he's basically messing up his own career. It'd be like saying, "Karen, take some money and lose a bunch of cases in court." Like, well, you know, it's one thing to have some money in your pocket, but I don't want to have the reputation of losing cases that I should win. But again, um, this lawsuit is going to, I think, uncover a lot of different things. Daniel Lust is with the law firm of Garagos and Garagos. Tell our listeners how they can listen to your podcast, uh, which is Conduct Detrimental. Yeah, so I'm on social media at Sports Law Lust on Twitter and Instagram. Our podcast is called Conduct Detrimental, the Sports Law Podcast. We spend time uh, this week going over Brian Flores. We've done the Deshaun Watson case. And then interestingly, there's um, some Capitol Hill musings about this Washington football team investigation of sexual harassment, toxic workplace. Um, Karen, uh, I think as you're, you're dipping your toe in the waters, Really never a dull moment in sports law. Something's in the water recently. That's always, that's right. We called sports and torts. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Daniel.